Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John Delano, and I'm the Communications Guy at Free Life Community Church in Ontario, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan and his friends are rich, campfire while the ladies were doing their uh, uh, their outing, and I took uh, two of my grandkids home with me, and we made s'mores and, and had popcorn and do things that grandpas do with them, you know. And uh, uh, I think that fire after I went in last night drew someone to my house uh, because I'm reasonably sure somebody slept on my patio last night. Strange things happening. Uh, you know, and this morning, I don't know why, but I could not get my computer to print to any printer in the building. There's no reason for it. I'm a computer builder. I know how they connect. I've, I did everything possible, and it will not work. And I believe that it's because the, uh, the enemy wants to discourage the message. Well, I, I, don't, I don't need a printer. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I was able to make it work. It isn't the one I had created specifically, but it's the outline of one that I had before. And so, but I, but I know what the Lord gave me. And so you're going to get it today. And you're going to get it because God wants you to hear it. I don't feel like that every single week, that there's something special about one, but I do on this one. And I'm not sure why, to be honest with you. It's the last sermon in this series. And in our sermon series, he said, what? I've entitled this, True Christians Believe Christ. And it isn't probably what you might think it is. Of course, you believe in Christ, but do you believe what He said is the question. Because people have a different opinion about what He said because they don't want to believe the truth of what He said sometimes. And that's, that's a strange place to be because that puts you on the outside of His family. And I believe there are people outside His family that think they're in it. And I'm not here pointing fingers at people. I'm not. But I want you to understand something. Uh, Jesus was pretty clear in Matthew 7 about several things. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Matthew 7 and scroll down to the very end of it, looking at verses 28 and 29. Remember last week, or the last two weeks ago, we talked about the wise and the foolish builders, those who, who build on the sand and those who build on the rock. And there's a massive difference, isn't there? And you know, I have to tell you, I, I believe I build on the rock, but there's been times that I foolish, foolishly built on the sand. Has anybody been there before? It, it takes a, a, a godly person to admit that you've done it that you've been outside of Christ sometimes, you know? And, and, you know, the thing is, a lot of times you don't know you've done it until it falls flat, right? Or sometimes in the middle of a falling, amen? Now, I like to watch the show uh, alone. Anybody watch that show? I brought it up a lot of times, and I, we're kind of binge-watching it right now. And a couple seasons ago, um, somebody built uh, a shelter, and uh, before they got in it, the whole roof collapsed and fell in. and had to start all over again, you know? And I... <laughs> sometimes... In my spiritual life, the roof has collapsed. Anybody been there? It just fell in, right? You're like, oh, my gosh. Well, should have built a little bit more wisely. Amen? Because unless the Lord builds the house, yes? And sometimes we build it. We can't. Look what Jesus says, chapter 7, verse 28. When he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You see, there was something different about Jesus. The way He taught and the things He said were different than what they were hearing from other people. Now listen, yes, there were some pretty good teachers, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Essenes, uh, and at, at times even uh, uh, the uh, rest of the Sanhedrin, Sadducees. A lot of times they would speak and talk, you know, with authority, but they would speak on the Old Testament because that's all they had at, the, at that time. You know, the Torah and the Pentateuch, you understand, the law. And so they tried to adhere to it, but they, they tried to do it in a manner that a human would do it. 
And we can't. We have to do it spiritually, not physically. You understand that? You do understand that. Okay. Now, the spiritual part requires a physicality to it. I get that. But God wants your heart. It's the heart of the matter, the spirit of what He intended. Amen? And there is where we get separated sometimes, and we add rules and regulations that Christ did not. It happened with the Pharisees. It's happened with the church modern. And we have to discern what is and what isn't. I really don't think God cares how you wear your hair. Now, if you're doing it in such a manner to attract people that's not your spouse and you're a married individual, that's a problem. If you're doing it to get the accolades of people, that's a problem. If your pride is in the way, now we have a problem. And Paul wrote to that because people were doing it. Agreed? But God wants your heart. That's what He's concerned with. I don't care whether you've got a TV in your house or not. I am concerned with what you're watching, though. Make sense? I don't care if you go buy a lottery ticket. I don't care if, if, you, if you go to a casino and, and you gamble a little bit just in playing. But if you go down there and you waste your savings or you're thinking that that's the way that you're going to have income, now we have a problem. I don't care if you take a drink. That's up to you. But if you're a drunk, we got a problem, right? The problem with this, we don't want to admit these things, you see. We don't, we don't want to admit there's a problem. And our early church father said, and that's why you ought not do it, because some people can't, can't handle it. But it's the heart of the matter. It's, 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 it's what keeps us with Christ and what separates us from Him. And Jesus knew that that was going to happen. And so there are lots of things, because the devil's good at trying to separate us from Him. Have you noticed that? And he will tell you, these things are okay, go ahead, go ahead, knock yourself out, indulge, it's okay. And maybe it is, but maybe it's not, too. Here's another thing he said, do what's best. Not necessarily what's good, but what's it may not be bad, but is it what's best? And I want to give God my best, do you? Because if you don't want to give God your best, then you're wasting your time. You might as well walk right out and stop right now, because it's worthless. God not only expects your best, He demands it. You, those of you in best class have been learning in Malachi that people were not giving God their best, were they? They were giving Him the leftovers, the sick and diseased animals. And more than that, they were giving Him the leftovers of their time, talent, and treasure. The leftovers. And aren't we good at doing that sometimes? Well, God, you know, after all, I've, I, I, I'm busy. I've got all the... Yeah, I know you are. And God knows you are too. Good night, I'm busy. But I am never too busy to stand in the gap and talk to somebody who needs to hear and talk to me because that's what God wants me to do. And the same is true for you. None of us are too busy to spend time with the Lord, are we? Watch Bible Story Cafe tonight, I'm telling you. And listen today with what God has to say. During His earthly ministry, Jesus astonished the people with His teaching. They'd never heard anything like this before. They'd heard the teachers of the law, do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So many that they couldn't keep track. But they'd forgotten the heart of the matter. They'd missed what the law was designed to do, and that's to keep people with their eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ through God the Father in the Old Testament. And I think that's happened today. We're so worried about showing love to people sometimes that we refuse to say no. We refuse to chastise people. We refuse to judge <laughs> what's going on in their lives. No, I can't judge whether someone's going to heaven or not. I have a good indication. But I certainly am required to judge the fruits of the Spirit within them or not. And the Bible says we're to do that. And the first thing people want to do is say, you shouldn't judge. The Bible says don't judge. That's not what it says. It's the context of what it says. Understand that. Okay? So Jesus astonished these people because everybody has a wrong opinion sometimes about what the Bible says or what Jesus intended. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. And you can't learn unless the Spirit's in you and you're in the Word trying to figure it out. Anybody? And I don't care how long you've been doing it, God will teach you something new no matter how many times you, you read it. How many of you know that to be fact? 100%. You see, Jesus astonished the people in, in the synagogues, in the churches, where he, where he spoke. They were astonished by his Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I read the questions that were posed to him and the way that they constantly tried to trap him and harass him 
trying to get him to stop. They wanted to find a way to, to kill him or to discredit him. You understand? They wanted to do that. And the more I read it, the more stunned I am by his brilliance, by his brilliance. And I wonder how I would respond to the questions that he got. I wonder how I would have responded to those. You see, what impressed the people was that he taught, according to the Bible, as one having authority, because he does. To them, he spoke like somebody who had authority. And we now know, because of who he is, based on the spirit that's within us, that they didn't have, that he did have the authority. <laughs> right? It's been confirmed. Amen? Amen? It's been confirmed. Jesus had the authority. Unlike the scribes who simply interpreted the law, Jesus spoke as one who had the right to make the law. And he, he does. He said such things as, but I say to you, but I tell you, take heed, you shall not, do not. He said these things. That's authority. And the question might be raised, did Jesus have the authority to speak this way? He may have taught with authority, but was it within his power to do that? Because a lot of people speak with authority, but it's not necessarily within their power to do that. Right? Should we who read that which he taught take notice and obey what he said? Now, you might think it's strange that I would ask a church full of Christians that question. I would pose that, questions to, that question to people online watching whether or not we believe that Jesus had the authority to do these things. But I think it needs to be asked because it's stated here in the Word of God. Because some people, even back then, didn't think He had that authority. And I believe some people don't think He had that authority today. You know why? Because anytime the Word of God spells out something that people don't want to do, they don't believe the authority. It's like that in every, every game in the land. If we don't like the authority, then we're going to go against it. We're going to disobey. We did it to our parents. We've done it to our teachers. We've done it to our bosses. We break the rules based on what we want to do. And all of a sudden, the authority doesn't matter anymore. I've heard people say, well, you know, if so-and-so becomes president, I won't do a thing, he says. Well, depends on if it's the law or not, you know. Look, presidents come and go. Leaders come and go. But while you're under their authority, whether you like them or not, they're the authority. And the Bible says God put them all there. I haven't liked God's choices sometimes. But the fact of the matter is, He allowed them to be there. He, he gave people what they wanted. The people wanted a king. God said, you don't need a king. I've always been your king. They said, we want one anyway. God said, oh, you'll be sorry. But He gave one, didn't He? And were they sorry? How many times? You know, friends, see, this is, this is how God operates. God gives us free will. He allows us to make decisions. It stuns me that we elect certain people that we do. But we have. And God says, okay, you'll be sorry. <laughs> so, see, it, 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 and it's not about, it's, this is not about the election. This is about, this is about our authority and God's authority and who is sovereign and supreme. And Jesus is all day long. And you're going to find out in this message, it's, it's deeper than that. He's always going to have authority. And the fact is, at, at a time when many don't really take heed to the words of Christ, not only those in the world, but sadly, even many who profess him to be their Lord. I think the authority of Christ needs to be recognized and followed by everybody, whether we like it or not, but especially by those who claim to be His disciples, those who claim to belong to Him, <clears throat> those who claim to sit at His feet and learn His Word, right? And we all claim that, don't we? In this message, we're going to review the authority that Jesus has, beginning with why Jesus has the authority as God. Have you ever wondered why Jesus has the authority as God? Because it's not just as simple as that God said so. It's not just as simple as that God came as an incarnate human. 
It's not just that simple. There's more to it. And I have proof scripturally that tells us why. Number one, God and Christ, God and Jesus are one and the same. Let me emphasize that. God the Father and Christ the Son, Jesus himself, are one and the same. And there are people out there who are hearing this are going to say, not true. I guarantee you. I know it because there's denominations that believe it. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. I'm not ripping on anybody. I'm simply saying they are one and the same. The Trinity is all three persons in one. It's God. Yes? As Wesleyans, we believe that. As Protestants, we believe that. As Arminians, we believe that. That's our theology. Yes, Pastor Bob? Uh, am I right, Pastor Jonathan? That's what we believe. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. Okay? So Jesus Christ, the person, and God the Father are one and the same. They are always in agreement. They're, they're, just, they're one. That's it. Hands down. That's it. Most people can't wrap their heads around this part. Let me explain that. People typically see God as supreme, not only as the creator, but also as the disciplinarian. They see God the Father as the disciplinarian because that's what they read. All, all we see in the Old Testament, uh, is, as the Bible indicates, that God was angry a lot of the time. Have you noticed that? And it says, and the Lord's anger burned against the people. But I, I would think that that would make you not like him too much. They read about how harsh God the Father was as He disciplined people, as He turned His back on them, how He allowed people, foreign peoples, to take them by war and as slaves and to overtake them and make them submit as a nation to a pagan nation. God wasn't being mean. He was disciplining them because they turned from Him. They see the God the Father as this fault-finding, correcting entity. And so when Jesus came along, oh my goodness, what a relief. They see Christ as the person of God who's compassionate and loving and meek and mild toward people. They see Him as very different. He brought the new covenant, the grace and the mercy toward those who are less than stellar in their humanistic ideals. And they believe that He accepts them for who they are, as they are. And that's true. But the problem is they think He accepts their behavior too. They believe He accepts their wrong thought processes and their sinfulness. And they listen to the enemy when the enemy says, you can't help it after all. Just go ahead and that, you can't help it. God says, yes, you can help it. Yes, you can. And I, and, I, and I demand that you do. I demand that you stop. Well, I tried. I just can't. And the devil's telling people, and Jesus accepts that. He just accepts you. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You can, you can think that all day long. You, bring your scripture and I'll prove it to you he doesn't. Anybody who reads the word of God and really reads the word of God, will tell you that that's not true. And if you think that God, through His Son, accepts sinfulness, I don't know what you're reading. He doesn't. In fact, the Bible says, come out and be separate from them. Yes? Change. And I'm grateful that by the Spirit in me, I can change. Anybody? I'm grateful that I can be the person that God has called me to be. I don't have to succumb to the whims of the enemy, and fall to his temptations. I'm grateful that I don't. I have, sadly, but I don't have to. Praise God. Amen? You see, somewhere along the way, we separated God and Jesus into separate entities with different agendas. They are not. They are not. They are one and the same. In fact, Jesus said He came to fulfill the law regardless of what people want to think. He said that He and the Father are one and that they were always in agreement. Always in agreement. Again, 
This is regardless of what people want to think. Now, does Jesus want to save us? Yes. And aren't you grateful? He wants to save you from what? Yourself. Yourself. And your status. Everybody is born into sin. Everybody. There's only one that wasn't, and that's Christ himself. By virtue of having a sinless father, that's the only way. But had he been born by Joseph and Mary, he would have been born in the same way as all of us. Do you understand that? Okay? Absolutely. Well, Adam wasn't, no, because Adam wasn't born. (laughs) He was sinless to begin with, wasn't he? Because he was created. He chose, though, didn't he? And so so did Eve, yeah? And from then, after you're kicked out of the garden, was every person born into a sin nature? Yes. People say, well, Jesus didn't have a sin nature. Yes, he did. He chose not to invoke it. Grateful? I'm grateful that he is found worthy because that means I don't have to. You understand this? This is Christianity 101. Christ wants to save us. He wants to show us mercy. And when we're repentant, he offers grace. He doesn't offer grace until you're repentant. People don't want to believe that either. They think grace means I can do whatever I want. No, that's not what it means. But the key is being repentant and turning from our simple thoughts, our simple beliefs, our simple activities. Friends, there is going to be judgment. There will be. Do you understand that? There will be judgment. And it will become because God and Christ, along with the Holy Spirit, are one. They are one. It will come through the complete and triune God. And we have to understand this. We cannot go to Jesus and expect Him to make intercession to us or to the Father for us without being repentant and changing. You cannot go to Christ and ask Him to intercede for you with the Father unless you have a repentant heart and are willing to change. That's what's required. And I'm getting excited because I think people deny that. And they're lost. They're lost. And I don't want anybody to be lost. Your claims as a Christian mean nothing. Your actions by the power of the Spirit in you mean everything. Amen? You can't go to Christ and expect Him to change your status without being repentant. It doesn't work that way. We somehow think God is the big, bad disciplinarian and Jesus is the soft, loving, and understanding buffer between us and God. This simply is not true. He said, I and the Father are completely in agreement. We always have been. We always will be. We're one. The fact is, so much do we want to believe this heresy that we're always looking for ways to get the Father, get to the Father in a, in a softer way. For example, many Roman Catholics believe they can get intercession with Jesus to be more lenient to them by praying to his mother Mary. False. I, I, I know entire denomination believes it. Rock on. Bible supports that nowhere. Anywhere. Not even in theirs. Again, regardless of what people want to believe, Mary's a person just like the rest of us. I'm not ripping on the Roman Catholic Church. I'm just saying that God is God. <laughs> Mary's not. And the fact is, no other person, whether saint or prominence in the Bible, have authority to be prayed to for intercession. This is only through Jesus Christ, and the Bible is very clear about that. So this idea of going to Mary simply isn't true any more than it's possible to get Jesus to try and have a different opinion with a different outcome than that of God the Father. It just doesn't work. Jesus is God. God who was born into human form by virtue of his human mother. In fact, Jesus was like all their humans in every way except one. His origin was sinless because he came from the Father. And after Adam, this wasn't possible with any other human except for Christ himself. That's just the way it is. That's not dispute. It's not dispute by anybody. No denomination disputes that. Am I right, Pastor Bob? No other human. No, no, no denomination, if they're Christian, disputes that. The fact is, Jesus is the creator as God. 
He was there in the beginning. He says, before Abraham, I am. He said he was there in the beginning at creation. All things were made through him, according to John 1 and Hebrews 1. And likewise, all things were made by him and for him, according to Colossians 1. Therefore, as the creator, he has the authority to expect and demand whatever he desires from his creation. Amen? And not only that, he's the heir. The heir of what? Well, according to the word of God, all things have been given unto him. Now, uh, a couple nights ago, my wife and I uh, went back and watched a movie uh, Tom Cruise was in it called Rain Man. And I w- it, it's, a, it's an incredibly brilliant movie. And I was I'm moved by it. And I think Dustin Hoffman probably ought to won a Academy Award for that. And it showed the heart change of an individual when he found out he had a brother. At first, it was all about the money he wanted to inherit. But then he found out he had a brother and the money wasn't important anymore. And he found out that even though he was the only normal in the mind son that his father had, he didn't inherit the money. (laughs) And that's important, friends. And I'll tell you why. Because your heirship depends on the person who's going to make you an heir. And I think Jesus proved who he was. He's the heir from the Father. According to the Word of God, all things have been given unto him because he is the Son of God. He has been appointed over all things and has been given authority over all things. And many people know this and they believe it, but it goes back to my first point. Many people seem to believe that Christ somehow superseded God. And because of that, Christ has changed the law into more of a grace and mercy type of authority where you can pick and choose what you're going to believe and be obedient to, and the rest, well, you know, it's okay. No. No. In fact, there's at least one entire denomination that believes this. In other words, they don't believe in the Trinity. They believe in Jesus only, meaning that the entire person of God has changed, for He has manifested Himself into the person of Jesus, and therefore the Trinity is no longer applicable. They believe that. There's a large church here in town that believes that. I don't think most of them know it. But that's what their denomination believes. Friends, this isn't biblical. The truth is, even though the heirs of kings might change the rule of law from the previous king when they ascend to the throne, Jesus is, he says, an exact representation of the Father, verbatim. He said, I am an exact representation of the Father. The Old Testament says He is the exact representation of the Father. They are one and therefore in complete agreement. So we need to forget all about God changing, compromising, or diminishing the law as it relates to the plan of salvation. In fact, they go together. He said He came to fulfill the law just as the Father laid it out. No ifs, no ands, no buts. And every time the Pharisees tried to catch him on it, he said, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. You see, the problem was they had misinterpreted it. Jesus came to fulfill it. Two different things. And as the authority over all things, he will and always has stood by the Father's law. Amen? He is also our Redeemer. In fact, were it not for Christ coming to redeem us, we'd all be destined to an eternal damnation. Do you understand that? How many of you know that? Without Him, where were you going? Yeah, I know where I was going, right? Now, I didn't think I deserved it at one time, but I do today. Anybody? How how many of you changed? No, you deserved it. You didn't think so at one time, but you do now, don't you? See the difference? And the reason is because the law would judge us, and it would judge us solely upon our guilt or innocence, and sadly, we'd all be guilty. Amen? And the law would be incredibly harsh to mankind since we are a self-centered, stubborn, and disobedient creation. I don't think anybody doubts that today. The new covenant of Christ was necessary in order to give us a brand new plan for redemption. You see, Jesus has the authority to redeem us from our sins, provided we accept the plan and follow through with the requirements. Amen? 
1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, redeemed us from our sins. I'm grateful for that lamb today. And I'm grateful that the lamb that was slain and now lives is seated at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for me when I obey. And when I fall, and when I ask for forgiveness, He delivers it. And He offers me grace when I turn from it. Yeah? And this He has done with His own blood. Ephesians 1, 7, Acts 20, 28, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. You see, look around today. Look around. Come on, look around. Look at that person next to you. Does it matter how old they are, how young they are? Does it matter what color they are? Matter what their background is? Matter how bad they've been, how good they've been? Matter if they grew up in church or not? No. His blood bought them. His blood bought them. And all they have to do is accept it. They have to accept it and live like it. Isn't that beautiful? And since He bought and paid for our redemption, He certainly has authority over those who accept His redemption. And He for sure has the right to set requirements for acceptance and for maintaining it. So if He says, this is what you got to do to keep your salvation, I think I'm going to listen. Anybody? As Creator, as Heir, and as Redeemer, He has both the inherent right and the earned right to speak with authority. And I think to myself, dare we, living today, not recognize this authority? I wouldn't think so. So, this is why we have to recognize the authority of Jesus. First of all, He was worshipped by angels. <laughs> Did you know that? He was worshipped by angels. When? When He came into the world. Deuteronomy 32, 43 says that Jesus would come as God. It says, Rejoice, you nations, with His people, for He will avenge the blood of His servants. He will take vengeance on His enemies and will make atonement for His land and His people. Likewise, Hebrews 1, 6 says that when He comes, angels will worship Him. That makes Him God in human form. I mean, that, that, and when, so when He came as a human, this is what happened. And again, when God brings His firstborn into the world, He says, let all God's angels worship Him. Why? Because He's God. It doesn't matter if it's in human form or not. He's still God. Do the angels worship Him? You better believe it. Revelation tells us He was worshipped by a multitude of angels and created beings as He sat on the throne of God when He ascended. Revelation 5, 11 to 12, And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten times ten thousand. They circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. That's angels and the created elders worshiping the Lamb of God. Isn't it? I wasn't there, but I'm reading about it. That's what happened when He ascended. When He, when he left the disciples and ascended into the Father's throne room, that's what happened. They were prepared and waiting for His return. And they praised Him. All of them. Now, the angels obviously believed Him worthy to receive power and authority, and they would certainly know whether He was worthy of such authority. In fact, the Bible says that the angels were given instructions concerning Him. That at His command, they were to obey, obey implicitly. Even Satan admitted that the angels were under Jesus' command. And Jesus himself said he could call, get this, 12 legions of angels. We don't know how many that is. <laughs> we can only guess. But I, I, I imagine it's quite a few. I wouldn't want to monkey around with one, let alone 12 legions that were concerning themselves with him. Yeah? He also was recognized by demons. Did you know that? His authority was recognized by demons. And this is what Satan doesn't want you to hear today. Okay? He doesn't want you to hear this. They acknowledged that he had the authority to destroy them in Mark 1. 
They accepted his rebuke and obeyed him in Mark 21, 25 to 26. In fact, even though demons have power and authority that is supernatural, and I would dare say superior to human authority, and more than that, they're under the command of Satan himself, that authority is completely superseded by Christ. So no matter how strong Satan is, no matter how powerful his demons are, and they have more authority and power than we do, I get that, at least for now they do, agreed? The day is going to come and they don't, yeah? But Christ's authority supersedes it. You know how I know it? Not only did they obey him, when his spirit is in you, they obey you. That's a fact. He gave you the authority to rebuke Satan in his name. But you'd better have his spirit in you when you do it. Otherwise, it's worthless. We have evidence of that in the scripture. Well, Jesus, Peter, and Paul we know, but who are you? And yet the disciples were able to rebuke and remove unclean spirits from people in the name of Jesus. And so can we. I don't think we do it very often, but we sure can. Yeah? Does the Bible give us that authority? Did Jesus give us that authority? Then what are we doing then? We need to rebuke them, amen? I think we're afraid to rebuke them because we're not sure we can. You know why? Because we're not filled with the Spirit, that's why. And when we're filled with the Spirit, Jesus said, nothing would be impossible for you. Do you believe Him? Think we better get some more Spirit. Anybody? Demons cannot resist the authority of Jesus, who is, in fact, the living God. In a nutshell, He is their Creator as well. <laughs> and they're under His authority. He was also praised by the redeemed. Those before the throne and the Lamb ascribed salvation to God and the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9 to 10. After this, John says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And this is the depiction of what heaven's going to be. Okay? You understand that? And, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The redeemed ascribed authority to him. That means you and me. Yeah? John even praised him for having authority over kings of the earth as he saw the heavenly authority that Jesus has. In Revelation 1, 4-6, he says, Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. That means our government, <laughs> our president, and everyone that's ever been and ever going to be. Amen? We might not think they may not think they're, on, they're under him, but I do. I subscribe and ascribe my authority to him. You? The government can only do what he allows them to do. Period. Huh. And he says to him, be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You see? Friends, if we're among the redeemed, we too will recognize His authority. We must, or we're not redeemed. <laughs> if you don't recognize His authority, then you're not redeemed. You ought to say that with me. If you don't recognize His authority, you're not redeemed. Because the redeemed always recognize His authority. Because that's how they're redeemed. <laughs> they're redeemed by His authority. Amen? Psalm 107, verse 2 in the English Standard Version says, The redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. I know I do. I know from where I have come. I know who redeemed me from my trouble. Anybody? I'm part of the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. I know it. I know it with all that I am. There was a day when I didn't, but I do now. I know. Even when I got saved, I think I wondered. I no longer wonder. Anybody with me here? I don't want to wonder anymore. I want to know that I'm the redeemed, and I say so. Amen? And the reason is because they know that without His redemption, they would have eternal damnation. They know where they'd be going. They know, regardless of what's going on here on the earth, in the end of time or their death, they know where they're going. 
I do. I know where I was headed. Anybody? But instead, they've been redeemed from this eternal punishment, absolved of their sinfulness, and they have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. He spilled His blood for me. And if I was the only one, He'd have done it. I didn't deserve it, but He did it. And I look upon the depiction of Him on the cross. And this is something the Roman Catholics get right. They, they show you a picture of Christ on the cross. And, I, I, and I've heard people say, well, they never took Him off the cross. Oh, it's got nothing. Yes, they did. They just want to be reminded of what he did. That, that, that's right. I have a crucifix in my office. There's a reason why. I want to be reminded of what he did. He did it for me. He looked ahead in time. And he saw me, didn't he, Carol? I don't know how he did that, but he did. And of all the people he saw, he saw me. He saw you. And this gives us eternal life and uncountable blessings. And this is why the redeemed praise Him, for He's more than worthy. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So be it. So what's the extent of His authority? What's the extent of it? Well, He has all authority. You see, I, I don't think we can stop there. I mean, I, I mean we, we know what all authority is. How many of you know what all authority is? All authority. See, we don't really believe it. I, I, let, me, let me tell you why we don't believe it. This is a fact. Okay. So it, it's happened here at the church. It happened to me uh, when I was um, uh, a deputy sheriff. It's happened to me when I was a loss prevention manager at Montgomery Ward. There really was a store called Montgomery Ward. We called it Monkey's Drawers. Anybody remember that? Yeah. I actually worked there. My wife was the women's general manager, and I was a loss prevention manager of our Elkhart store. Uh, and this is no kidding. I happened to be working one evening, and I didn't really involve myself in the retail section of that too much. But we had uh, one of our managers, uh, the store manager wasn't there, but I didn't report to him anyway. Loss prevention is always separate from all of them because, well, obvious reasons. And so um, the store manager and I were equal. I re we reported to two different people. Now, I was under him sort of in the store, but not under him. Does that make sense? And so we had this, this guy and his son came in, and they wanted to buy um, an ex some exercise equipment, and they didn't want to pay the price on it. And so they kept saying, we want to pay this for it. I said, and, and, and the manager said, I, I can't take money off it just because you want it. I can't do that. And they kept going and going and going and going. And then they said, let me talk to your boss. Well, he's not here. Well, let me talk to his boss. Call somebody. And so they called me. And, and I come out there and he says, they want us to take money off this. And I think even though you're not retail, it would create a loss for the company because it's not on sale and we can't sell it for that. I don't even know what we paid for the darn thing. I, it's, it, I think loss prevention would have something to do with that. He didn't want to deal with the problem anymore. And so I told the guy, well, we can't do that. And the guy said, sure you can. I said, no, no, we can't. He said, well, who's your boss? I said, doesn't matter. He said, let me talk. I said, listen, pal, you can, go, you can go to the President of the United States. It's not going to change. I said, no, period. You're not doing it. Well, let me talk to your boss. No. My boss is going to say the same thing. You're not. I, you don't understand. I have the authority to say no. It's no. You can't go over my head and get it done. Yes, I can. No, you can't. But he was adamant that he could. You know why? Because society has taught us that we can. If we squawk enough, we'll get what we want. And most of the time, we shouldn't get it. And we're doing that right now in our society. We're giving in to things we should never give in to, ever. You can believe whatever you want as far as this pumping the fist in the air and kneeling at the national anthem. I'm not buying it. It bothers the snot out of me. That's disrespect. There are other ways to protest. I believe in equality, and I think you should protest, but not that way. You're going to disagree with me. That's fine. Friends, we don't like authority. And we're going to squawk until we get what we want. I don't think we understand what all authority means. And if we'll do it on earth, we'll do it when it comes to God too. Somehow, there must be somebody we can get around. And they use Jesus to do that. In their own minds, they're doing it. 
Jesus is not going to go around the Father and allow things that the Father does not allow. Even though all authority has been given unto him. They are one, and therefore, he cannot and will not go against the Father. You can't believe that. You, it's, not even, it's not even a fathom of, of your imagination. You can't do it. He wouldn't do it. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth, he has the authority. Do you get that? On earth, above the earth, and below the earth. You know what he's saying, right? He has authority on this earth, people, and whatever's here, as well as the heavenly realms and in the realms that are going to be what we call hell. And not just Hades, Gehenna. All authority. He could pull people out of Gehenna if he wanted to, but he won't. He won't because they chose it. He won't go against the Father's authority. Never has. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Further, the Holy Spirit told the Apostle Paul that Jesus had authority in the heavens, on the earth, and below the earth, and that every knee in these places would bow to him at the very mention of his name. Did you know that? Philippians 2, 10, So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. At the mention of his name. That's authority. <laughs> he received authority when he ascended to sit at God's right hand. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, and Peter tells us in 1 Peter, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him as right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That means all authority, right? That means in the future too, yeah? That means in the new kingdom, yeah? Come on, kids, wake up. Even in the new kingdom, he's going to have that authority, yeah? This one and the one to come. There's only two, right? And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. He who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. How did Peter know that? God told him. You see, friends, that makes him king over all the kings of the earth. He's the ruler of all the kings of the earth as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 1, 5 and 1 Timothy 6, 4 to 14 to 15. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, to keep his command without blot or blame, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There it is. That's who He is. You want to talk about authority? His is the only authority. His is the only authority. Any other authority is pretend or temporary. You understand that? It's temporary, period. And as such, He is not only the head of the, over kings, he's the head of the church, the whole church. It doesn't matter what name's on the front door or what they believe. If they're a Christ-centered church, then he's in authority over them. If they're a Christian church, he's in authority. Yes or no? Come on, friends. Yes or no? Yes or no? Does it matter what denomination they are? Does it matter what their belief system seems to be? No. He's their authority. Or they're not a Christian church, right? If he's not their authority, they're not a Christian church, period. As our Redeemer, he is the head of the body, the church, which he established. Colossians 1.18, Paul says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he will have supremacy. In what? Everything. He has the right to hold this title and authority as he is the Savior of the body. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. That belongs, that makes it belong to him. And as the head, he has delegated his own authority to his apostles. That's you and me. 
He's delegated this to His apostles, but only His apostles. Only those who are His true apostles. Those who are obedient to and faithful to His Word. Because if you're not obedient to and faithful to His Word, you're not His apostle. Not my words, His. Right there it is. The Bible says so. The people that are obedient and faithful to His Word are those who refuse to compromise with popular opinion. I won't. Because for those, this is what He's done. He has promised that His Spirit will be in them and guide them into all truth. John 16. He commanded us to teach others to observe all that He commanded. Matthew 28. Great commission, right? And he proclaimed that whoever receives his apostles also receives him. John 13. That's what he said. So you are a representation of Christ. And here's the deal, friends. Let, 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 me, let me put this on you here. If Jesus is an exact representation of the Father and you are commanded to be an exact representation of the Christ, that makes you an exact representation of the Father. That means you believe in God the Father. That means you believe in God the Son. And the only reason you can is because the God the Spirit is in you. You have no other choice but to believe that. And if you don't, then He's not in there. Then He's not in there. And I know some people is going to get bent out of shape. Well, others have a different opinion. They might, but in biblical. You understand? It's not biblical. Because his authority will extend, and, and this, is, this, this is my last point, and you've got to get this, friends. Whether you believe it or not, I don't care what you believe. I, 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 li listen, his authority will extend to everyone at judgment. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you lived in the White House or you lived out here next to the river. You understand that? I don't care what era of time you lived in. I don't care how much money you had. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what you think or believe. The fact of the matter is, you will be under His authority. Everybody will. Every created being will be under His authority. Everyone. What this means is that whether people believe in Him or not at judgment, his authority will not only be known, it's the only authority that's ever going to matter. <laughs> His authority is the only one that's going to matter, friends. It's the only authority that's going to matter. Say it with me. His authority is the only one that's going to matter. Matt and I just had this discussion on Friday. People believe a lot of things, don't they, Matt? And then they try to quote to us. They're not Christians, but they don't practice it, but they want to quote to us what the Bible says. Really? Yeah? And I said, call him on the phone. Let him have a chat with me. He didn't want to do that, did he? Heck no. You know what, friends? You know why? Because I know whose authority I'm under. And I know whose authority he's going to be under, whether he knows it or not. You see, all people are going to stand before him. Do you understand that? All peoples are going to stand before the Christ. Everyone. Those of us who are in the grave, be resurrected and be His children. And those who aren't at that time will be resurrected and they're too going to stand before Him. We're all going to stand before Him. And then there's going to be this separation, you see. Here come the sheep and the goats, yeah? And only those who gave their lives to Him will be found not guilty. Do you understand that? Only those who accepted Him as their Savior, and were obedient to Him, who didn't compromise, but listened to the Word of God and believed only that. They were found not guilty. They will be found not guilty. And the rest are going to stand before the great white throne of judgment, and it's a bunch of them. It's a bunch. And they will all be found guilty, every one of them. There won't be any reparations. There won't be any appeals. 
There won't be any excuses. Not, we have those today. There won't be, well, let me talk to your boss. Let me talk to who's over you. There isn't one. Guilty. Period. Guilty. Because you refused the lamb that was slain. Whether you think you did or not. His decision is what counts, not yours. Well, I thought I did. And Jesus has words for that. Look what we did. Look what doesn't matter. He says, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. You thought you knew me, but I didn't know you. Because you thought and did how you wanted. These people are going to receive, receive eternal punishment, and it's going to be forever and ever. There's no, there's no time in and then, you know, on good behavior, out. Don't worry. It's good. It's for, it, you don't ever get out. Done. No one will be able to escape it, even though they wish the mountains would fall upon them. How do I know that? The Bible says so. How many of you are familiar with that? Jesus told us about it in Luke 21, verse 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand firm before the Son of Man. He knows what's coming, doesn't he? Jeremiah prophesied about it. Jeremiah 11, 11. Therefore says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing disaster on them, which they will not be able to escape. And though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. There's people out in the world today saying, Oh! He wouldn't do that. Jesus always listens. No, he's not going to. Because he and God are one and the same. <laughs> and Father's spoken. And then Jesus told us himself how bad it's going to be and how people are going to react to it. Revelation 6, verses 12 to 17. Listen to this as our worship team comes. Listen. Actually, worship team, say put. Listen to this. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made out of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth. Can you imagine that? As figs drop from a tree when shaken by a strong wind. That's how the stars fell. Friends, I look up, and I see some amazing stars. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? They're going to fall like fruit off a tree? I'm not interested in seeing that. Are you? The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. You said that can't happen. God says, yeah, I can. I put them there. And then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everybody else, both slave and free, they hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Friends, I believe Him. True Christians believe Him. Amen? And now worship Him. Come on. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of theories out there, a lot of belief systems, and a lot of them aren't very accurate. That's right out of the Word of God. That's accurate. Doesn't matter what version you read, it's right there. All I'm asking you to do, don't take my word for it, open it up and read it. There it is. Remember that song? Oop, there it is. Oop, there it is. I'm teaching you that today because I tell my grandkids all the time, they, they do it. So when someone tells you what they think's in the Bible, read to them what's really in there and say, whoop, there it is. That'll remind you to do it. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Right? Come on, you can giggle all you want to, but I'm telling you, you'll remember that, won't you? Huh? you remember, whoop, there it is. But you better know it's there. Okay? Stand with me. As revealed in the New Testament, Jesus clearly has all authority which must be confessed in order to be saved and which will be confessed at the judgment. The key issue then is what do we do in light of His authority? Will we listen to Jesus and heed Him who speaks with this authority? Will we as His church allow His appointed and His anointed to lead and guide us through the authority that's been delegated to them? 
Will we? You see, those willing to accept Jesus as Lord will do what He says. And as prophesied by David, they will freely volunteer to work in His kingdom until the day of His appearing in power. And they don't have to be coerced to do it. They don't have to be told, hey, hey. They just do it. They don't have a, a war within their heart about which to give their time to today. They don't have to worry about whether they got to go to kids' ball games and dance and theater and sports and whatever. Those things are great. You should do them. But not at the cost of working in the kingdom of God. Because that put Christ second or third or fourth. You know it did. I've been there when I felt like I had no time for myself at all. Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. But friends, whatever you're doing, I don't care what kind of job you have or even if God gave it to you. I don't care what your hobbies are, what you like to do. God would never, ever want you to put that as a priority over Him, ever. And if you do, He'll take it from you. Hmm? This happened. So, friends, let me tell you something. May we all honor and accept the authority of Jesus Christ, not just today, not just because you heard a message, but always.